Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. One of the most enjoyable of human pursuits is piecing together a puzzle. If it's a murder, why did he do it? A grand theft? How did they do it? A great escape? How did he slip through their fingers? Today, a combination of the above, penned by the great French writer of detective fiction, Maurice Leblanc. Leblanc created a Robin Hood Houdini type of brigand, Arsène Lupin, the very first French rogue whose very first adventure is about to be related here. You mean to say if someone swims across this moat around the chateau, bells would sound the alarm? I'm going to throw a rock in the water and see. Andre, don't! The Count is exceedingly nervous. He has a fortune in paintings and lives in constant fear they will be stolen. This heavy water should do. Now see what you have done. I have to go inside and explain to the Count it was all a mistake. I lose my job over this. Our mystery drama, My First Rogue, based on a story by Maurice Leblanc, was adapted specially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis. It stars Lee Richardson and Bob Caliban. It is sponsored in part by Cat's Paw, Heels and Souls. I'll be back shortly with Act One. I should be more explicit. We are in Paris, in a cafe, on a sunny Saturday morning. A cafe which no longer exists. However, the Paris sunshine is unchanged. Two men are nursing their cognac. One is reading the morning newspaper, the other writing in a notebook. Well, what is the news, Robert? Dreyfus was finally pardoned. Shockingly, it should take so long. Oh, and listen to this, Maurice. Someone has put the sounds of birds on some kind of a metal plate. You turn it on and you can hear it again. <laughs> what earthly use is that? Why would I wish to hear the sound of birds at any special time? <laughs> I'm sorry I asked you. Why did you? You only get angry when I talk and you are writing. Why don't you write in your room where it is peaceful? It's a choice I don't have anymore. My rent is overdue. Today, the landlord tells me if I don't pay what I owe, he will have me arrested. How much do you owe? I haven't paid my rent since last November. Not I cannot loan you, Maurice. So, for me, it is prison. Who knows? Perhaps there I shall find some ideas to write about. I hope they will let me have pen and ink. It was in the prison Fontenay that I made the acquaintance with Orphan Lupin. He certainly did not appear as the master thief of the century. I found him a 
cultured gentleman who, naturally, would seek out the company of another cultured gentleman, myself. Maurice, how old are you? I will be 35 in June, Arthur. I will be 30 in July. We are the most talked about thief in Europe, and now America. You've been to America? A quick business trip. A little matter of a Gilbert Stewart painting of America's first president, uh, George Washington. I know the name. I thought it would hang nicely above my mantelpiece in Paris. But Inspector Gallimard thought otherwise. He came all the way to Boston and surprised me as I was packing. And so he persuaded me to come to prison. But if you end up in prison, how can you enjoy it? Because I am seldom in prison. And then only when I wish to be. You steal also, Maurice. I do? Never. Write about people you must steal from everyone. But unlike myself, you have not found the right person to steal from. What you are doing is not profitable. I see you in your cell next to mine. Your pen in hand, your face gazing at the ceiling, searching for an idea. I'll have pity on you, my friend. I'm about to embark upon an adventurous crime against a man who can very well afford a loss. A considerable loss. In fact, he deserves exactly what I'm about to do to him. Count Crespi, a Frenchman of Italian descent, took advantage of other people's distress, bought cheaply, sold handsomely. Bought a chateau and filled it with art treasures. To him, our friend sent a letter. Bonjour, Martin. Ah, ah André. Ah, good postman. What do you have from the Count today? Oh, something special. Something special from the Count. A registered letter. You will have to sign for it. Uh-huh. Where do I sign? Right here where my finger is. Uh-huh. Andre, um, supposing someone didn't wish to use the drawbridge across the moat to get into the chateau, then he couldn't get in. Supposing he swam across the water, uh, what would happen to him? Before he even got to the wall, electric bells would go off. And we are all supposed to run and fetch the police right away. The slightest disturbance in the water sets off a switch. You don't say. A ripple in the water and the bell goes off. Uh, I'm going to try it with this stone. No, they don't. Why not? This everyone should do. See what you have done. I didn't believe it. Now I will have to go inside and explain to the count it was only a mistake. I may lose my job over this. The postman accidentally dropped a rock into the moat. Marcel, what are you telling me? His foot, Count Crespi. His foot accidentally dislodged the stone and it fell in. What do you have in your hand? Oh, a registered letter count. For me? I don't wish to see it. I didn't sign for it myself, so I don't know you have it. I don't like registered letters. Well, shall I open it and uh, read it to you, sir? Uh, That's a good idea. Go ahead, Master, read it. Oh, Count Crispy. Cher monsieur, le comte. 
I have come to admire greatly the Rubens and Wattos in your gallery. In addition to those paintings, I also know the Beauvais tapestries to the right and uh, in the room to the left, the cases of miniatures and the Louis XIII table. These objects can readily be turned into cash. Therefore, I ask you have them properly packed and sent to my name, care of Le Garde Batignolles. You have one week. If not received, I shall see to their removal on the night of Wednesday the 27th. Believe me to be yours very truly, Arsène Lupin. A P.S. Don't send me the larger of the two Watteaus. It's a copy. The original was burned by Barra during the Revolution. And, and don't send the Louis XVI Chatelaine, the authenticity of which is exceedingly doubtful. That's all he says, sir. Oh, no. Did you ever hear anything like that? He seems very sure of himself. I cannot understand how he has such precise knowledge of the rooms in the chateau where the paintings are hung. Who told him? I never permit anyone in here. I read that Arsène Lupin is in jail. So did I. He was arrested in America by Chief Inspector Gallimard. Marcel, take pen to paper. I wish you to write a letter to the public prosecutor at Rouen. Enclose this letter from Arsène Lupin and demand police protection. Count Crespi, I came myself from Rouen. I have investigated and I thought the matter too delicate not to speak to you in person. Mr. Prosecutor, I am honored. It has taken me three days to ascertain the facts. I might begin by saying your chateau is quite impregnable. I had to call to the gatekeeper, identify myself, and the drawbridge was lowered over the moat, and your secretary came out to meet me and took me through four heavily barred and locked doors. You are right. Why I suddenly became so concerned, I do not know. <laughs> no one, not even Arsène Lupin, could get in here. I know the gentleman. Lupin? A gentleman? Yes. He's the gentleman thief. We became acquainted during the theft of the Mona Lisa, which finally the government had to ransom. Steal the Mona Lisa? A sacrilege. They should have locked up Arsène Lupin in the Bastille and thrown away the key. Ah, but nothing was ever proved. As for this matter, Count, I am informed Arsène Lupin is now safely under lock and key. His every move is watched. Inspector Gallimard has given strict instructions. Lupin is not allowed even to write. Therefore, one must conclude this letter to you is a fake. Whoever has written it is not Arsène Lupin. Are you the postman? Yes. Are you the postman who delivers mail here? Yes, I am, sir. And uh, who might you be? I am Count Crespi. Count... I have never had the pleasure. I am generally met at the drawbridge by Marcel, your secretary. This morning I put on my old clothes and decided to walk around the property. Is there any mail for me? No, your grace. Not a thing today. That is in the way of correspondence. Only this newspaper. It is yours. Please forgive me. I was just reading about Arsène Lupin. 
What about Arsène Lupin? Well, here, uh, on the second page. Uh, show me, please. I came out without my glasses. Right at the top where it says, uh, Welcome visitor. Would you read it to me? Oh, certainly. Welcome to our distinguished visitor, Chief Inspector Gallimard, one of the veterans of the detective service whose recent feat of arresting Arsène Lupin has won him international fame. Monsieur Gallimard is enjoying his rest and will be spending his holiday in our village fishing. Gallimard is here, right here. Most interesting. And I confess to have uh, played no little part in the new story. You know the inspector? Oh, I am one of the few people of the village with whom he is on speaking terms. On Sunday, I was fishing on the dock, and I noticed a gentleman next to me, frock coat, straw hat, and I saw on his fishing rod the name Gallimard. And I said just one thing to him. I said, congratulations, Monsieur Gallimard. If you catch fish as easily as you caught Arsène Lupin, <laughs> you should do well. What did he answer? He said, thank you, reeled in his line and uh, walked away. That's all he said? Not one word more. Where did you say you saw the inspector fishing on Sunday? On the dock. He fishes there every day. That, in effect, is how Arsène Lupin's latest escapade was revealed to me. The following day, my old friend Robert, the salesman at Beaumarchais, came to see me. Robert, ah, nice of you to visit me in jail. Maurice, I've decided to bail you out of prison. Thank you very much, but, uh, no. What? I am at the beginning of a fascinating story of a man. Who is it? My first rogue. And if I leave the prison, I shall never know what happens to him. Uh, let me say two words to you, and then you'll understand. Arsène Lupin. Some have likened Arsène Lupin to Robin Hood. Others, less charitable, accuse him of robbing Peter to pay Paul, which I'd like to observe was first said in 1560. Then, the estates of St. Peter's Cathedral were appropriated to repair the Cathedral of St. Paul. That's how these catchphrasings begin, but not how they end. More on that when I return shortly with that. returned to a small French village outside of Paris, a town noted for its ancient chateau, surrounded by a wide moat owned by Count Crespi. The Count has been politely requested by that master of the pitlock, Arsène Lupin, to divest himself of some of his art treasures. But Lupin is in jail. Did he write that letter, or is it a hoax? Author Maurice Leblanc picks up the story. Not only was I in the prison cell right next to Arsène Lupin, but we had occasion often to talk in the exercise yard. The guards took no notice. Lupin was a favorite prisoner. 
stealing was essentially a game to him. And I remember him laughing and saying, I am sure I have thrown that miserable millionaire count into quite a frenzy, which he had. Marcel! Marcel, where are you? Count, I'm terribly sorry, but I did not hear you at first. I hope you hadn't been calling me long. I was just supervising the locksmith putting a new lock at the servant's entrance. He has gone, has he? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I made sure he left and locked up. I don't want anyone on the premises. Understand? Yes, I do, Count. Uh, why did you call? Did you know Gallimard is here? He is? The inspector who arrested? Oh, he's here, is he? In the chateau? No, you fool. In the village. I got the news from the postman. It's in the local paper. I shall go find him and talk to him. The inspector. Imagine that. Right in our own backyard, so to speak. Inspector Gallimard? You know me? We have met? Uh, no, sir. I have not been that fortunate. I am sorry if I disturbed your fishing. I'm surprised you recognize me. I generally keep out of the public eye. Your fishing rod, sir. It has your name on the brass plate. Mm, very observant. Inspector, my name is Count Crespi. I own the chateau one kilometer from town. It's an old chateau, a moat around it. I am very well protected. Do you have need for a moat? It came with a moat, I see. I have a very fine collection of paintings, objects d'art, miniatures, and almost a week ago, I received a letter. Whoever wrote it knows exactly where each of my works of art is kept. Now, who else but Arsène Lupin? Sir, if I had the smallest doubt of the authenticity of your letter, believe me, the pleasure of once more looking up that dear Lupin would outweigh every consideration. Unfortunately, the man is already in prison. Suppose he escapes. From the Fontenay prison, no one escapes. But Lupin is known for that. He is slippery, he is daring. If he does escape, so much the better. I will catch him again. Go home, Count. I tell you, you can sleep soundly. Nothing will happen. But I fear... Go away and stop frightening my fish. Count Crespi, I saw you yesterday. Now you appear again. I am displeased. Let me make this plain. I'm here on holiday. I've come to this village hoping to enjoy peace and catch fish. Please, go away. Inspector, there is a new development. Another communication from Arsène Lupin. A telegram. Ah, look at it. No goods received in Batignolles. Get everything ready for tomorrow night. I'm saying. Well? Tomorrow is the 27th. Wednesday. It's fixed for tomorrow. Just as he warned me. What is? The burglary. The theft of my collection. A tremendous loss. You are the only person in the world who always knows how to catch that man. And I I thought, I hoped... No, that's not true. The famous theft of the Mona Lisa, which Lupin was most certainly responsible for, although we could never actually pin it on him, we never caught him. Ah, you see, it is art that interests him. It is not art. 
that attracts Lupin. Far from it. It's the ransom money. You had to pay a big ransom to have the Mona Lisa return? I didn't pay it. The French government did. Hefty ransom it was, too. And the trouble we had to keep it all a secret. <laughs> Very embarrassing for the security of the Louvre, you can imagine. But whether the money went to Lupin or Lupin engineered the theft, it was never proved. Inspector Gallinard, what fee would you take to spend Wednesday night at my chateau? Not a penny. Don't bother me. And uh, name your own price. I am a rich man, a very rich man. I am here on vacation. I really have no right to take care of the case. No one shall know. A matter between you and me. Would 10,000 francs be enough? Just one night. Wednesday. Very well. But it's only fair to tell you you are throwing your money away. I don't mind. In that case, I agree. Besides, one can never be absolutely sure of Lupin. He's bound to have a whole gang working with him. Yes, yes, I've heard that. That letter and this telegram are a case in point. Here is a man in one of our most secure prisons who is being watched every hour held incommunicado and yet able to send them to whomsoever he pleases. Of Coriard. Now, you had better leave me. We must not be seen together. Who knows who in this village is not in the pay of Lupin? Tomorrow evening, the chateau, nine o'clock. On the evening of the 27th, the Count dismissed his servants and his secretary and sent them off to their wing of the chateau to retire. As soon as he was alone, he let down the drawbridge, unlocked all four of the bolted doors, and waited. Promptly at nine, Inspector Gallimard and two other burly gentlemen arrived. Come, Crespi. My two assistants, Detective Poignard and Detective Gallimard. Oh, good, yeah. Good, good. I'll stop it. You gentlemen and I have worked together on many a case. Poignard, I'd like you to examine the walls for any unusual openings. And Gallimard, I rely on you to look behind all the paintings and tapestries for any hidden doors and to see to it that all windows are bolted shut when we settle down to await the arrival of the ingenious Monsieur Lupin. Uh, yes, Inspector, as you wish. Good. Lead away, Count. I've decided the best place for both of you to be on guard is inside the gallery itself. The Count and I will take up our post on the other side of the courtyard, for I doubt very much an attempt will be made through the front. So, we shall keep watch at the back. Count... The central gallery can only be reached through one door. Just one door. That's correct, Inspector. This, this is the gallery. I keep it locked. It is just this one door, right? Absolutely. May I have the keys, please? Bonyard, Gallenberg, after you have made your examination of the walls and windows, etc., etc., the Count tells me there are plenty of chairs and benches so you can both make yourselves comfortable. Not too comfortable, mind you. Eyes and ears alert. Gentlemen, in you go. There are oil lamps on the table. I shall now lock you in, and we shall greet one another in the morning. See you then, Inspector. Now, Count, to our post. Good morning, Count Christie. 
Well, nothing happened during the night. Not a single sound. I was awake while you dozed off. Shall we have a look? You look out the side towards the moat to see if there's anything unusual. I look down into the courtyard. Yeah, I can never find my glasses when I need them. Yeah, ah, always on top of my head. Not a stone out of place in the courtyard. Inspector, do you think that if no robbery took place last night, then it won't happen another night? <laughs> my dear Count, even you, with all your wealth, could not engage me indefinitely. I am so relieved that nothing was taken. I can only presume, in the same way Lupin knew where my treasures were kept, he knew you were here and he called it off. Hmm. Well, let's go to the gallery and talk to our men this time. Count, you shall be the one to unlock the door. Turn him back. Look at them both fast asleep. Look, look. The walls are bare. The two Rubens are gone. What to? Where? Where are the tapestries? Oh, no. Both of them gone. All the miniatures in the glass cases. Nothing is left. Not one little miniature. My, my Louis says sconces. My lord, look up there, that empty chain. That's where I had my agency chandelier. Oh, no, my will central virgin has been taken. Uh, I cannot believe my eyes. The windows, no, fastened securely. There's not a crack in the ceiling. There's not a hole in the floor. Everything's in perfect order. Ah, everything happens to me. I have lost millions. The whole event has been carried out with method and speed and great artistry, I'm ashamed to say. He must have had an extraordinary plan. I hate him. How can you talk like you admire him? I hate you. You, Poignard, wake up. Calumbert. Stupid fool! How can they still sleep? Don't they hear us? Let me get closer to them. Calambert! Poignard! His breath smells as if he's been drugged. They've both been drugged. By whom? By whom? By him, of course, or by his gang acting under his instructions. It's a trick of his. Can't remember. At the Louvre, when the Mona Lisa was stolen, the two security guards on the floor were also drugged. That's it, then. It was definitely a family path. It's hopeless. I shall never see my treasures again. My dear Count, you must immediately make a list of what is missing and report it. But what is the use? You might as well try. The law has its resources. What you are saying is I might as well give up hope of ever recovering my picture. He has stolen the pearls of my collection. Inspector, I would give a fortune to get them back. If you feel there is nothing the law can do to him, then let him name his price. Now, that is a reasonable idea. Do you mean it? Every word. Every single word. Yes, I mean it. Why do you ask? I have an idea. Uh, we'll discuss it in due time. Only, Count, not a word about my involvement to a soul. If you wish to succeed. I understand. You will be using underworld contacts, informers, and so forth. I swear to you, 
The registered letter to the Count, the telegram? Were sent by yours truly. In fact, I ought to have the receipts uh, somewhere. They've given me a table with one drawer. I'm sure I can find them. Uh, but this is for the registered letter and this for the telegram. I thought you were being kept under constant observation and searched on the slightest pretext. Yet you seem to read the morning papers and collect post office receipts. <laughs> you have no idea what fools run this place. They rip up the lining of my waistcoat, explore the soles of my boots, uh, listen to the walls of my cell. But not one of them would believe Arsène Lupin would use a drawer in a table as a hiding place. Too obvious. Are you going to explain the crispy theft a little more? Not too fast. The letter was the essential beginning. Yes? The essential starting point? Indispensable. The mainspring that set the whole machine in motion. The chateau was impregnable. A moat, electric warning bells, bolted doors, etc. How do I go about it? I know the owner, that fat-headed count, lives in fear. One day, he receives a letter from Arsène Lupin. Notorious housebreaker. What does he do? Sends the letter to me, the prosecutor. Who will laugh at him because said Lupin is under lock and key. <laughs> I'm afraid I did just that. And if he happens to read the local newspaper, he learns the famous detective Gallimard is on vacation within walking distance. He believes what he reads. How did that get into the papers? I had put there. Then the fish, I mean the count, rises to the bait and makes the acquaintance of the man he thinks is Inspector Gallimard, and he begs this man to assist him against me. This is becoming more and more original. So the detective engaged by the count was not Gallimard. I told you that. Thereupon a telegram. The count quivers with fear. He entreats the false Gallimard to protect him, and the so-called Gallimard brings in two of the boys from our gang, who during the night remove certain objects through the window and lower them with ropes into a boat floating on the moat. And all night long, the Count is kept in sight by his protector in a far part of the chateau. Count Crespi will be notifying the police within a few hours that he doesn't wish to pursue the matter. But that's not possible. The chief never mentioned it. Are you saying the chief knows more than I do about my business? This so-called Gallimard was authorized by the Count to negotiate a deal with me and... Chances are when the business arrangements are concluded, the Count will have all his collection returned, and so he withdraws the charge. So there is no question of theft. It never happened. And even if you care to, you, my dear Victor, the public prosecutor of Rouen, will have nothing to prosecute. Oh, God, I'm not ready to leave yet. We didn't come for you. He brought me my breakfast. But do set a tray on the table, Pierre. Thank you. Look at that. Bread, ham, sausages, boiled egg, and coffee. They treat you well in the Fontenay. Of course, over the years, I've been able to secure jobs for many of those who work here. A few false papers, and they're hired, and they enjoy it. You have some of your own people working in the prison? <laughs> it's hard work, but they like it. Uh, where was I? 
Well, you tell me the Count is about to withdraw charges of grand theft. How do you know all this? I have just received the telegram I was expecting. Whatever you're talking about, you received no telegram. When was this? This very moment, my friend. Uh, Victor, have the kindness to cut off the top of that boiled egg for me, gently. You will see for yourself I'm not making fun of you. It's an empty shell. There's nothing inside. Are you sure? Let me just reach my fingers into it a little lower. There we are. Victor, I hand you a piece of blue paper folded quite small. Would you please read it? Yes. It is a telegram. Ah, arrangement settled. Hundred thousand paid over. All well. A hundred thousand paid over? A hundred thousand francs. It's not much, but these are hard times. So you have managed another ransom. I was getting bored in here. I had to do something to amuse myself, to occupy my spare time. Especially since the swindle could only succeed while I was in prison. I'd rather enjoyed playing the part of Inspector Gallimard. I think I did it rather better than he does. You mean that was you, not an accomplice? Of course it was me. But how did you get out of here? I walked out. How could you do that? As easily as having a telegram brought to me in an eggshell. You simply walked out of this prison and no one said anything? What should they say? They knew I'd come back as soon as my business was completed. Did the warden know? He was the only one in the entire Fontenay prison who was deceived. The rest of the prison staff reported I was in my cell, asleep, awake at meals, in the exercise yard, etc., etc. Why did they cover for you like that? I told you, the guards are my friends. Arsène Lupin remains in prison as long as he wishes to, and not a moment longer. Oh, God... Will you open up the cell door, please? Uh, Victor, a moment. Huh? What is it? You've forgotten your new gold watch. I have no. Yes. I just happened to find it in my pocket. Here. Oh, please forgive me. <laughs> An old bad habit. Uh, they've taken mine, but that's no reason why I should rob you of yours. Especially since I have a watch here which keeps perfect time. Did I show it to you? Isn't this a beauty? Also, solid gold. Heavy gold chain. And out of whose pocket did it come? A good question. I never look. J.G. The initial J.G. on the case. Not from the nurse to let stand for. Of course, I remember. Jean Gallimard. The real Gallimard. Who arrested me in Boston. Not many people know his first name is Jean. You ask me how I know all this. These extraordinary machinations of one Enfant Lupin. How could I not? I occupied the cell next to his. The day before he skipped out of prison for good, I had to delicately put to him that I'd been spying on him. 
and that he so inspired me, I hope to write a series of Arsene Lupin books. And would he give me his permission to do it? And he said, My dear Maurice, of course you can. I like the name you have chosen to call me. Arsène Lupin. It looks sinful and wolfish. Since it is a name you made up and not my real name, why not? No one in France would recognize it as me because you will probably have a difficult time making me appear as clever as I am. Au revoir, mon vieux. Au bon succès with your books. Leblanc's creation, Arsène Lupin, from the moment it was first published, took France and the continent by storm, then crossed the oceans, and the English and Americans took the light-fingered gentleman housebreaker to their hearts. In a way, we can sympathize with a man like that who can bring crime, culture, and cleverness to our imagination. Vicariously, we can steal with him without any of the dangers. I shall return shortly. Everybody calls them eight spots.